Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Mike Ingersoll and Buck Sanders. Guys, we're recording this on the 4th of July, so I think, uh, you know, some happy Independence Day to everyone are due. Absolutely. Happy 4th, everyone. Happy 4th. Yep, appreciate you guys joining me, you know, on the holiday. It's it's tough, you know, with, with Buck Sanders and his, you know, just keeping the, the website running and pumping out those Buck Stops Here columns, and we're just, we're honored to have him here. Uh, we're truly in, truly in the presence of greatness. <laughs> guys, going, taking that a little too far, but I'll take it anyway. <laughs> no, not at all. If Don was here, he would take it too far. That's true. Yep. All right, but um, guys, today I wanted to kind of go over the interview that you did with the new cornerbacks coach, Baker. You talked with Henry Baker for uh, almost half an hour, and I think that there were a lot of really good things that he talked about with that. For those that are listening to the podcast that maybe have not heard the full audio or read the story, that's posted on the Inside Carolina Tarpit Premium Message Board. But we figured for a podcast, we're going to be doing something that we haven't done before, where we're going to actually play part of the audio and kind of break down some of the more interesting bits. So to start this off, Buck, just kind of what was your overall feel of Coach Baker? You've interviewed dozens of coaches over the years. So, you know, what was kind of unique about him? Well, every coach has a different personality, and Baker's personality on a scale of one to 10 in terms of being serious is about an eight, just a real serious guy uh, and very measured in what he says, thinks about what he's going to say before he says it. And it very, very focused, it seems to me on uh, details and what he's trying to teach and how he's trying to teach it. And, you know, that that whole whole piece of just being very focused on the job and some people have a personality they just want to be liked and and that's not him he he he's all about business he's a business uh all business kind of guy but was he like would you say that he kind of strays into the realm of being a little bit guarded or he's more on like the thoughtful side no, I'd say thoughtful. You know, I thought he uh, sort of unpacked his bags for me a bit, you know, telling me, you know, some coaches are extremely reluctant to get into uh, talking about personnel and, and those sorts of things. He's not. You know, if if he believes the thing, he's going to say it you know, and not, you know, worry about, you know, well, how's this going to affect you know, this player or that player when they hear it or see it, you know, he just, you know, says what he thinks. So, um, but he's thoughtful about it and, and he tries to phrase things in a way that are, you know, not 
insensitive, I guess, or doesn't try to, you know, confuse the issue. So, yeah, I thought it was very straight and, and candid. Good deal. Uh, Mike, just real quick to, to get your perspective as a former player here. You know, have you ever dealt with coaches that kind of fit that mold that Buck just described of being that just thoughtful type of candid guy? Yeah, I mean, I would say that Sam Pittman was pretty candid, um, and that was really a theme with that staff. And 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 it is, I think, it's becoming more of a theme with more staffs. You know, called a product of the social media age, but it's hard to snow young people now. Um, so you kind of have to be straight with them. Having access to so much information, if you don't tell them the truth, they're going to find it out from somewhere. So it's better if it comes out of your coach's mouth. Um, but Sam was Sam was was like that, and 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 by all accounts, he's still like that with his players. And I, and I appreciated that. If you could play, you could play, and they'd tell you you were going to play. And um, and if you couldn't play, they'd tell you you need to do this, you know, this, that, and the other, X, Y, and Z. And if you didn't do it, you weren't going to play. And that that sort of candor really helps you know, obviously, where you stand with the team, where you stand in the locker room, and where you stand in terms of the depth chart. And that's the sort of thing that can help you make decisions moving forward. If if you know, you, it it allows you to be. Uh, it allows you to make more educated decisions in terms of how do I want to approach training? How do I want to approach practice? How do I want to approach my career moving forward in the big picture? So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had, you know, I mentioned Sam Pittman, but I've had others. I mean, coach Bunning was like that when coach Bunning was here, Hal Hunter was like that. He was very, uh, even in, you know, in the recruiting process, he was, he was very open and honest, um, almost, you know, almost to a, to, to a level of, uh, I guess you'd call it, bluntness that was uh off-putting for some people but i appreciated it you know so i've I've run into several coaches like that in my lifetime that that did things that way and obviously the converse is coaches that 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 are a little more guarded and kind of throw you some bs and and smoke screens and you don't really know where they're coming from and the problem with that as a player is that you don't know where they're coming from and if you don't know where your coach is coming from you don't know what he's thinking you don't know where you stand it's almost impossible for you to to go about the day to day. It's 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 an added layer of stress, uh, you know, not knowing where you stand and not knowing what's going on with your own future. It's an added level of stress on top of what is already a stressful situation trying to fight your way through a depth chart at the Division One level. Um, if you're a guy that wants to play, that wants to be on the field, that added level of stress is is unnecessary. So I always appreciated coaches that eliminated it and were just candid. Well, and I think there kind of a theme that that you talked about was was expectations. And with Coach Baker being, you know, one of the new coaches on staff, that was a, a good question that, that I think that you asked, Buck, where it, it kind of you were trying to get what his philosophy would be and how he's going to relate to the players. And early on in the conversation, I thought that Coach Baker gave a really good response and we'll play the audio here for you guys. I think, you know, we made great progress throughout the course of the spring, uh, you know, created a lot of momentum going into uh, summer workouts and things. And I think the guys have a really uh, good understanding of what I want and what I expect. And now they're starting to push that and get that out of each other, which anytime you get a room of guys kind of, you know, competing against each other uh, and, and pulling the best out of each other, you got a good deal. All right, Buck, you know, I think what was what stood out to me there was how Coach Baker talked about having the room of guys competing and pushing each other. And that was kind of a common theme throughout the entire interview. But that sense of competitiveness really shone out right there. And I think that goes to where you were talking about where Coach Baker is just very straightforward 
And it sounds like he's going to demand a lot from his players during this upcoming season. Yeah, you know, um, you focused on the the uh, competitive part of that quote. But for me, you know, what I heard over and over again, and, you know, I've, I've never actually not heard this from a lot of other coaches when they, you know, I've interviewed them, is that he'll say, you know, I expect a lot and I demand a lot. You don't really hear coaches very often talk about what they demand out of players. You know, it's just an unusual, to me, uh, it's not a common way to uh, express, coaches express themselves about in relationships to their players that he's a demanding guy, you know, that, that he's going to demand you do things a certain way. And, you know, uh, and, and that, that word demand came up, uh, what I expect and what I demand come, come up many, many times during the interview. So the, the part I focused on was when he said, you know, what I want and what I expect. So he, he's real clear with his players about, uh, the things he wants them to do and focus on and that sort of thing. So um, I thought that was that was an interesting theme, really, throughout the entire interview. And we'll certainly get to that later on with another clip of the audio. But, Mike, real quick, what was your kind of takeaway from just this first uh, brief part right here? Well, I mean, I'm I'm with Buck, and it all ties into to what you just said a second ago. The you know your your recent prompt about candor with coaches and he says the guys understand you know what I expect from them the only way that as a player I can understand what my coach expects from me is if he tells me now there's two roads you can go down as a player when you have a coach who's who's open and honest right which by all accounts from what I've seen at least this brief glimpse of Henry Baker that's what he is if his expectations and what he demands are clearly communicated and understood by the room then there's really no guesswork as to who sits where on the depth chart, who's doing things the way that he wants and who isn't. Um, and there's two ways you can go on that. You can either go on the tank and say, well, he's already made up his mind. It, you know, it, we're, we're done here because there's no guesswork, right? You're not sitting there selling yourself a lie that, well, if I just work super hard, I can, you know, maybe I'm the one that he's talking about that's doing things the right way. Maybe I'm not, I don't know. So I'll just keep working hard and you buy into some delusion and you're just in reality, not that guy. So you can go in the tank or you can take it as motivation. You know, coach says that this person is doing a better job than I am. Her coach says this person is higher on the depth chart than I am because he's doing X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z better. I'm also going to do A, B, and C better. So I leave no doubt. Um, that's, that, that's the approach that players can take when you have a coach who clearly conveys and, 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 and expresses uh, his expectations and, and the things that he wants out of his players and the things that he wants to see done on film. And again, that, that just goes back to what I said a minute ago is that I appreciate that. Um, I want to know that. I want to know if somebody is doing something better than I am so that I can go out there, work on it extra after practice, get better at it than them and pass them by. That's what I want to know as a player. Some guys aren't wired like that. Um, I think I'm in the majority with that thinking. Most guys I knew were competitive in that sense, and, and, and that's how they would take it. But there are also other guys, and, and that's how things get weeded out. So it's, it's actually a pretty interesting uh, tactic by – or at least a coaching technique by uh, Coach Baker and, and other coaches who employ it, which I think at this point is most. It, there, there's a psychological aspect to coaching young players, especially college-age guys, and they'll weed themselves out. And if you are clear and honest and open with what you expect from them, 
the guys that just aren't going to buy into your system are going to make it very apparent very quickly. They're going to make themselves known and they're just going to weed themselves out. And that's it. That's one less problem you have to worry about. So, um, you know, I, what I took from that is everybody in the room knows exactly where I stand at all times and that's never going to change. And if you don't like it, well, that's just too bad, but this is what I demand. You're either going to do it and play or you're not, and you're going to sit on the bench. That's how I took that, that, that clip. And, uh, and I, I appreciate that from a coach and I, you know, I think, uh, I think most guys do, if not um, immediately as they are experiencing it in a meeting room, they do certainly appreciate that years down the road because they understand what it did for them. Let me ask you this, Buck, uh, because you brought up, you know, that you haven't heard that from a, a lot of coaches that they just use that term demand. Do you recall hearing someone else use that? I mean, just like in an interview or, you know, kind of through the grapevine? Well, not in an interview setting. I, I can't recall it. Uh, maybe it, it has been an expression another coach has used. And uh, Mike used the um, comparison of uh, Sam Pittman, who I interviewed several times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that uh, that was a, a pretty accurate comparison because Sam was also a, a guy that he, he would talk about personnel and who's where and how he sees his room and this guy is going to be a guy and this guy needs to, you know, more work. And he was pretty open and honest, even with the media. And I was going to say that, you know, how a coach interacts with a player might be a lot different in, in how he interacts with uh, someone in the media that's interviewing him. So, um, and, Thank God for that, I guess. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, but the, the comparison was is a pretty good one because uh, Sam was also somebody that liked to talk uh, X's and O's a little bit um, and not not the actual playbook X's and O's, but his approach to teaching, you know, what he thought about, uh, you know, the different approaches, his unit could take you know he he i remember recall one time he went through the sort of the pros and cons of both power blocking and zone blocking um and uh and how the personnel in the room sometimes dictates how that you know what sort of uh, approach you're going to take so baker's like that too he He'll talk about, you know, what he specifics of things. And some some coaches you interview never get there when they want. They never get to the point where they want to talk about their specific approach or how they think about the place of their particular position within the whole team and all that. So, yeah, I think that was a pretty good uh, comparison that Mike made. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump to the next bit of audio that we have here. And this is going to be kind of continuing the theme of what Baker is going to be demanding of his players. But at the end of this clip, there's something that he mentions that I think was interesting, especially given uh, what's going on on the recruiting side of the ball right now. So let's uh, talk about this one. I do demand a lot and not teaching a lot, um, critiquing a lot, um, demanding a lot. Those guys have to be open to that process. And now I understand that, you know, some guys may take longer than others, but they have to be a willing participant in the learning process. And as long as those guys have the character and the will to be to want to do those things, 
those are the kind of guys that we look at at Carolina. Those are the kind of guys I want to be able to recruit to Carolina. So, as I mentioned, at, at the end of, of that clip, you know, Coach Baker said, those are the kind of guys I want to be able to recruit to Carolina. Now, fan angst is pretty high right now over the way that recruiting is going. But I think that it's interesting that he mentions this because, you know, it, it sounds like from from that little clip, and obviously I'm, I'm extrapolating a lot from that, but that comment to me makes it seem as if the coaching staff has an idea of what the type of player that they want to get at Carolina. And what I mean by that is you can have someone that maybe has crazy good measurables, but if they don't have the right mentality, they're just not going to be a kid that the staff's going to pursue. And he talked about, you know, what type of players they they look for at the cornerback position, Buck. Uh, That's in in the full transcript that people can read on the Inside Carolina message board. But what do you think about that? Did, Did you get the sense that really that character, that mindset is something that Coach Baker really prioritizes? when it comes to looking at recruits? Well, you know, I, I think as a um, prelude to that, I think, and Mike has probably had a much more up close and personal look at this for sure than I have, but uh, we, we've all seen players with just a very, very high level of talent, you know, come through uh, the North Carolina football program and come in with every conceivable you know, measurable you can think of that would um, make them excel, you know, at the college level and and just not be, you know, be that guy. And, you know, you, we talk about star rankings a lot. Um, and, you know, some there, there are some uh, very highly ranked five-star guys even that just never really – make a mark at the college level. So uh, you have to wonder if, if they had all the physical tools to to excel in their position, then there was something else, uh, you know, in, in terms of character or mentality, something going on between their ears that prevented them from getting there. And I, I thought his use of the phrase, a willing participant, in the learning process is, is a telling one. You know, if, if you have somebody with, you know, college division one level talent and, and they're not going to willingly participate in the learning process, that kid is going to be a problem for you. So, yeah, I think to get the most out of the kids that you, you, you bring into any program, regardless of, you know, how others see their talent level, uh, unless they're willing to learn, they're not going to get to college and know everything there is to know about their position. And and, and unless they're going to be a willing participant in that, then it, it, you're wasting a lot of time. All right, Mike, let's get your perspective on that, man. Yeah, I think there's two main things we need to unpack, you know, or that I guess can be unpacked from that comment that Coach Baker made. And the first is since, since you prompted us uh, talking about the recruiting aspect of it, that's what I'll talk about. Um, but the guys that he's looking for, what that's telling me is he's looking for thick skinned guys and Buck made a really good point just now you know, there's, there's guys that have all these measurables and they have all these stars and they have all these huddle tapes and they have all this, uh, all this hype around them when they come in and, and by all objective measures, they should be 
you know, the next Julio Jones at receiver. They should be, you know, the the next Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, right? I mean, they, they should be the next this, that, or the other. And they just, for whatever reason, don't pan out. And it's kind of the phenomenon that is higher level athletics is that you see guys come into programs. They come into, even in the NFL, guys that, I, you know, I saw this a lot and it just, it always blew my mind. Guys that just weren't very good in college that turn into pro bowlers at the NFL level. And you just don't understand what it is. And, and, and the opposite guys that are all Americans at the, you know, at the college level that, you know, flake out at the, at the pro level and they burn out pretty quickly and you never really understand what that is. But the one constant that I always observed and always noticed in guys that were successful at either level um, and who fell in either category was the desire to be good. And that's something that you can't measure on the recruiting trail. It's really hard when you're recruiting 50 different guys and you know, you only have 25 roster spots. You've got to be a lot of different places and spread yourself pretty thin most of the time. So you don't have, you prioritize certain guys on the recruiting trail and you spend a little bit more time with them than you do with others. But for the most part, you don't ever get to sit down and really get to know somebody. You don't really get to know how a guy ticks. And even if you try to, in the rare circumstance where you do have the time to try to do that, that kid may not let you in. You may not ever actually be able to figure out what makes him tick? How competitive is he? Does he want to be a winner? And that's the number one measurable for success at the college level and the pro level is how do you have a desire to be good? Uh, because you can have all the measurables. You can have the size, the length, the speed, the, the, the athletic ability, the hands. You can have all of it. You can even have the football brain. And if you don't have a desire to be good, you're not going to be good because this game is hard. And it demands a lot on your time. It demands a lot on you mentally. It demands a lot on you physically. It demands a lot of you socially uh, in terms of dealing with the media, dealing with fans, dealing with the general student body at the college level. Um, you have to be thick-skinned. You have the ability to shed things off, to be waterproof, um, let things splash on you and roll right off and you not worry about it and you keep on moving. Do you have that ability or do you get bogged down in all of the extracurricular stuff? Do you get bogged down in the noise? Um, do you get bogged down in the mental game of telling yourself constantly how tired you feel and, and how sick of this you are and how I don't see how this is ever going to end and this has been going on forever and I'm tired, I want to go home and I'm sleepy and can I get a break coach and things like that. And all of that adds up and it all blends up playing detrimentally against the player. And there are some guys that that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't affect. You know, all players have those same thoughts, but the difference between the ones that are successful and the ones that aren't is that the ones that are successful think all those same things and then they get pissed off and they go out there and they just do what they have to do. And they say, well, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to do it the best I can. And then they go and they actually get better that day. They're feeling the same fatigue and they're feeling all the same things that the other player is, but the difference between him and the other guy is that he actually used that constructively. And that's a mental thing. That's a desire to be good. And you can't measure that. 24-7 rivals, all of them, they, they can't measure that in a guy. Um, so all of his stars, that's all objective measurables. That has nothing to do with uh, the mental aspect of a player, the, the, the mental composition of a player. So um, that, that's number one. They're looking for guys that are thick-skinned and tough that can come in and handle that and can handle that demanding, exacting approach that Coach Baker's saying he's going to employ with his players. Um, so that's number one. Um, point number two is this first, the, his first segment where he says, I do a lot of teaching. I, you know, I demand a lot guys need to be a willing participant. Buck talked about this too. Um, it all plays in with each other. So point number one and point number two are commingled. 
the guy that wants to be good is going to be a willing participant in the learning process. What that means is uh, that's a very academic way of saying, and I think Coach Baker comes off as a very um, astute, uh, more of an intellectual than, than some other coaches I've, I've dealt with, I've listened to, I've read. Um, he seems like a bright guy. Um, so that's a very academic way of saying, I want my guys to be students of the game, which sounds like a cliche, but what being a student of the game means is that I'm going to sit there and I'm going to take the, my personal responsibility to teach myself all of the things that I feel like I'm not getting in the film room. I'm not going to rely only on what my coach teaches me in the film room and what he teaches me out on the field, because I understand I'm aware enough of this whole college situation that he's got up to 15 guys in a meeting room and he has to give all of them attention because even the third string guys, the walk-ons, as we've seen at Carolina several times in the past few years, those guys may end up playing and they have to at least have a foundational amount of preparedness to be able to come into a game and not fall flat on their face and help and be a, if not a contributor, at least not the reason, you know, if not a contributor to a win, at least not the reason that we lost a game. So from a coaching perspective, coach has to spread himself thin within the meeting room in terms of the attention he can give certain guys and the way that he can explain things and teach things. And he's limited by time due to NCAA constraints, but also just practical constraints. You can't be out on a field, even without NCAA limits, you can't be out on a field for five hours. Guys' attention spans aren't that long. It's not going to be effective, and coaches know that. So what he means by being a willing participant in the learning process is that I'm willing to be a student of the game. I'm willing to go in, teach myself things, look for things on film that we may not have covered at practice. Maybe I get a little bit ahead of the current learning program or the teaching program that my coach is implementing. Like I get ahead of the install process. And I, I take myself and I plant myself in my coach's office when I have free time and I ask him questions and I pick his brain and I try to start thinking the way that he does because every coach wants his players to think the way that he thinks. Because at that point, there's less teaching. You can refine things. And if your players think the way you do, it's like you're out on the field. And if you are out on the field, you know that you don't have to worry about anything from a coach's perspective. Those are the kinds of players he wants. And that requires, to use his quote, being a willing participant in his learning process, in the in in the in 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 the the things that he's teaching and the things that he wants you to know, he needs to know that you're going to take the time to actually learn them, because he can tell it to you all day long. But until you internalize it and personalize it and make it your own, you're not going to actually learn it. And if you don't learn it, you won't know it. And if you don't know it, you can't implement it on the field. And if you can't implement it on the field, they're going to lose, and he's going to lose his job. So those are the kind of guys he's looking for. He's looking for thick skin guys. Number one. And guys that have a desire to be good. If you want to be good, you will take the time to be good. And part of that is becoming a student of the game, right? And really embracing his teaching approach and his teaching style. And the last point that I'll make is that I, I can appreciate what he says, that I do a lot of teaching. Um, uh, another point in the interview, he mentioned that he sees himself as a teacher first. That's what all this is. He treats it like an academic exercise because... And I buy into that because there's there's an aspect of coaching that is it goes beyond football and you're teaching lessons and you're hoping guys are learning lessons that will help them in their life. That was always the 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 number one thing that I liked the most about coaching was that I felt like I was teaching guys something um, that I was more than just I was more than just an X's and O's football coach um, that I was hopefully implementing something that that was useful to them down the road. And I think that's the approach that Coach Baker takes. So out of that one little blurb. I unpacked all of that, and I hope that I'm right on 60% of it, because if I am, then we've got a pretty good coach. 
I was going to say, Mike, that was uh, quite a impressive little rant there for about a little bit over, let's see, how many seconds of actual audio was that? Like 25, 30 seconds worth of audio? Good job, man. I spend all day long looking at things and thinking of different ways I can interpret them. So that's 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 just a function <laughs> of my employment. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we get back, want to go ahead and talk about some of the personnel comments that Coach Baker said. I think there's also a lot to unpack there. So we will return right after this. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Buck Sanders and Mike Ingersoll talking about the interview that Buck did with new defensive backs coach Henry Baker. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into some of his comments that he made about the personnel groupings. Uh, this kind of happened later on in the, in the interview, but I think that a lot of fans are going to be interested to hear this. So let's see what he had to say. I always want to be able to go into a season with multiple guys and guys like uh, Patrice Rene, guys like uh, Greg Ross, guys like C.J. Cotman, Corey Bell. These are all guys that at one point in time during the course of the spring show the ability to be able to help us out there on Saturdays. So really and truly what I'm doing, I'm, I'm looking to, again, create an atmosphere where it's it's about competition. If you can create a culture of competition within the room, then you got multiple guys sitting there chomping at the bit because there's there's nothing that is, uh, there's nothing given. There are no free rides. And so you got guys competing against one another, but at the same time pulling for one another because we're all, you know, we're all targets. All right. So after hearing that, you know, he actually went ahead and named some specific guys, uh, Greg Ross, CJ Cotman, Corey Bell, and the like. And I think it was interesting that he said, I want to be able to go into a season with multiple guys. Depth is always a concern for coaches. And correct me if I'm wrong, Buck, but I don't recall too many coaches under the Larry Fedora regime at UNC discussing depth as bluntly as Coach Baker did. Am am I correct in thinking that? You know, there are, uh, it all depends. Um, Uh Uh-huh. There are certain coaches that, particularly if they are hurting for depth, and it's obvious, you know, even before you talk to the guy, you know, you can look at a, you know, a depth chart and, you know, a roster and say, well, you know, hey, this this area looks a little thin. I think they're more willing to talk about it probably when they don't feel like they have enough depth, you know, and, and Larry Fedora actually talks about depth quite a bit. Uh, several times, you know, like at the ACC media days, 
people will ask him, you know, where he feels good about depth, and he'll say, tight end, that's it. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, so, but I think Baker, um, you know, even though he sort of names some guys um, elsewhere in the interview, like it's it's kind of a bombshell to me that uh, he just went ahead and straight up told me uh, Bryson Richardson, a January enrollee, true freshman, is your starting nickel for 2018. Or at mm-hmm. least he's holding that spot uh, going into fall camp, you know, barring somebody else having seized the day or whatever. That's the guy that's going to start. He didn't actually name KJ Sales as a starter, but um, he talked about him in a way that you knew that he is. And, um, you know, as to the third starter, I don't know, you know, uh, for sure. He mentioned several guys that could, you know, fall into that that third corner role. And, you know, he didn't actually come out and name anybody. He just rattled off a lot of names like you saw there and or heard there and, you know, I think he's looking for one of those guys to, you know, step up and and make a move. The one thing that he said elsewhere in the interview is that he likes corners with length. And, uh, and I, I interviewed later on uh, Luke Pascal, and I, I talked to him about some attributes of of corners, and he said that uh, you know the the one thing that is scary as a wide receiver coach going against cornerbacks are guys with length. It's much more difficult to get around them. Um, you know, they uh, have a better chance to recover just based on their, their length. As I think about it in terms of shot blocking, you know, you, you see a guy with long arms and tall and, you know, he's just going to have a better chance of, of blocking a shot than somebody shorter. So, I, so I, I think if I was to guess, I would say they're looking really hard at Patrice Renee for that uh, starter corner spot because of his length. But we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, some coaches mind discussing depth or more willing to do that when they're really concerned about it. It's on their mind. I don't think it's uh, a real issue in the secondary this year. They did lose MJ Stewart and they lost. Donnie Miles to injury last year, but I, I think they feel like they've got pretty good numbers in that room, and uh, enough guys that have played substantially that uh, they know what they've got to a certain degree in that room. So that's pretty much where I come out on that. Let me ask you a quick follow-up question, Buck, because also in that quote, you know, Coach Baker talked about the competition. And I think along with that theme of, of um, expectations, demanding, and teaching, that was also something that I, I really got away from the, this interview. What was your kind of takeaway there when he talked about how he's wanting to have the guys you know, work against each other, but at the same time realize that they are still part of the same team? Well, you know, the, obviously having competition within a room is a wonderful thing. Every coach strives for that. Uh, because it's it's just a fact of life is that when you're competing against someone else, you try harder. 
Um, if you're measuring how good you are by how good the person standing next to you is in any activity, then it's going to bring out the best in you. Try to get, you're going to try, if that guy's above you, you're going to try to get as good as as they are. So, yeah, uh, competition is, is certainly what I would call a coach's friend. If you can get a spirit of competition going in, going on within a room, on a team, you know, when the defense plays against the offense in scratches, you know, you, you'll see a competitive fever break out on a team. So, you know, almost at every level of football, whether you're talking about, the, you know, a group of three play, you know, positions in a nickel, or you're talking about an entire offense, an entire team, having guys with a competitive nature, uh, that you, you, you want to encourage someone to develop that. You want to do everything you can to foster that type of culture. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's really is one of the major tools in a coach's toolbox. All right, let's swing it over to you, Mike. How important was it, do you think, to have both depth and competitiveness within a position group? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the point that I was going to touch on, uh, and I think Buck discussed it perfectly. The only thing that I'll add is that uh, competition in a meeting room is the hallmark of a good program. It's what every coach strives to have. It's, um, you know, if you look at all the great programs right now, your Ohio State, your traditional, you know, 80s, 90s, Miami teams, uh, obviously your Lloyd Carr, Michigan teams, Texas, USC, out current, and obviously the the glaring examples, the current Alabama team, uh, Clemson. Every single one of those teams, they have guys in the position room at every stage of the depth chart that could be starters. And if you can't play, then the guy behind you can, and you're just going to lose your job. You know the, the really good teams, you know that were here uh, at Carolina, the talent loaded teams that were here. That's how. That's how it worked. If you couldn't play, you just wouldn't play, and the guy behind you would take your spot. And nobody really worried about that because there was so much talent in the depth chart. That's how it is at, you know, right now the premier programs like Alabama. Um, every single one of those guys, you know, could play on Sundays if they wanted to for the most part. And uh, if you can't get your job done, the guy behind you will, and I'm just going to move on. If I'm a coach, I'm just going to move on. I'm rolling the guy out there that I can win with. And uh, hopefully your players will take to that. They'll see that. They'll understand that. They'll constantly feel pushed, and they'll never feel comfortable uh, in their in their in their place on the depth chart. You know, and and obviously I I, I say this making the assumption. You know, we're talking about starters here. Um, you know, starters never get complacent. They never get truly comfortable with being where they are uh, on the field and on the depth chart. So they they constantly work because they know they've got somebody behind them pushing them. Brennan Williams was that guy for me. I, I was constantly being pushed. I was constantly reminded that if I didn't get my job done, Brennan would be the starter. Um, and that, that forced me to stay late after practice and stay late after workouts and get in, you know, extra time in the weight room, get an extra time in the film room, come in on weekends during the off season, watch film, do that sort of stuff, game plan and, you know, prep for the following season, uh, do player evaluations on guys. I knew I would play do you know, self evaluations on myself, see the things that I had to work on because I was constantly pushed because Brennan was a really good player and I didn't want to lose my spot, especially not to someone younger than me. And that's, that's not a knock on Brennan. That's, 
actually a compliment to him. Um, you know, he, he, he pushed me and the good programs have guys at every single position that are able to do that. And it makes the team better on the whole. Um, and it obviously sets a team up to be successful in future years as well. So uh, I think that's what he was getting at. And it's, you know, he's, he's just describing uh, the hallmark of every premier program, which is what Carolina, I would hope, is striving to be. And you talked about young talent there, and that was something that Coach Baker also mentioned. And we have a clip where he discusses some of the freshmen, and he talks about Anthony Ratliff-Williams. But at, at this point, I feel that ARW is almost a known quantity, especially to Carolina fans. But he mentioned some other guys here that I thought were very interesting just to see their names come up, especially from the defensive back coach. So let's hear what he had to say. Another guy who I think is right there on the cusp of having a really good year, even though he's a young kid, is uh, De'Ami Brown. You know, he shows the ability to be very, very explosive. And again, anytime you're bringing in, you know, true freshmen in and get them in, you know, trying to expose them to a, a new offense, new system, new terminology, you know, it kind of, you know, from a mental standpoint, it kind of slows them down and they got to process it. But he has all the physical attribute and tools where he's going to be a dangerous uh, receiver for our team. And then the other guy, Daz Newsom, I mean, he, he did a great job in the slot. And again, you know, he's going up against Bryson for the most part, the majority of the time. And so uh, he presented a lot of challenges for Bryson just because, again, Bryson is trying to learn on the fly. And, and, and Daz is a, is a hell of a guy to try to learn against just because he, he's so quick and he's so uh, elusive. And he does a good job of just being able to get in and out of cut. All right. And we're back here. So obviously the, the name that he talked about there was Deami Brown the freshman wide receiver. And Buck, I mean, you can kind of hear it in the audio there that it sounds like Coach Baker has a tremendous amount of respect and, you know, a little bit of healthy fear, I think, like as a defensive backs coach for uh, Diami. Did that come across just, you know, from looking at him face-to-face as well? Uh, Yeah, I I would say so. And, uh, you know, sometimes, as I mentioned uh, later on, that same day, and we'll have uh, materials from that interview as well, print and audio and whatnot. Uh, I talked to Luke Pascal, and Luke also talked about Diami Brown. And uh, the term both of them use is explosive. Both of them also mentioned that, you know, he arrived at UNC, you know, off the recruit, out of the recruiting process. Everybody wants you. Everybody loves you. You're, you know, the next best thing to slice bread and and then you get in a college program and then that same person has to tell you what to do it's a bit of a a shock for some people but uh with with brown the the thinking was that or the reaction to him coming in as a january enrollee is he came in with the understanding that you know this is a different game now i'm going to have to learn some things I, I'm going to have to find out, you know, how I use my skills within this uh, game of college football. And and therefore, that requires me to do some learning. He, he came in with that understanding, not with, you know, the attitude that some people say, you know, might 
develop is that, hey, I'm a superstar. You know, what do I have to learn? So uh, I think he's going to be a starter on in 2018, uh, probably against California. He's probably going to start game one and he's going to make some mistakes. He made some mistakes in spring ball, but as spring ball went on, he learned, he got better. And uh, when he's on the field next year, he'll probably make some mistakes, but he he has a spark, an element that's just not common in in a lot of senses. So, uh, you know, he, he's going to see the field and thinking about it, there's two January freshman enrollees that are probably starters, you know, at against California. Richardson uh, at nickel and Brown at receiver. And he actually mentioned uh, Bryson there as going up against Daz Newsome in, in the slot. Just real quick, Buck, talk about that as well, because it sounds as if that's a interesting matchup that Carolina fans should probably keep their eye on, especially once camp starts in just a few weeks now. Well, uh, here's the thing. Uh, Richardson went up against Daz Newsome a lot in spring ball because neither Thomas Jackson or Toe Groves were available to play in spring ball. And so Daz got a ton of snaps, ton of work, and when the, when the opportunity's there, you have to make the most of it. But whether or not he's the, you know, the starting slot next year or even in fall camp on the depth chart is going to depend on the health of Thomas Jackson and toe grows and from what i understand both of those guys could be uh full go by the start of fall camp that's kind of the expectation right now so might not see so quite so much of the richardson versus uh, newsom matchups this fall as you did this spring just because there's going to be other players in the mix Hmm. that's a good point i actually didn't, didn't think about that but it's also good to hear that those guys could be coming back from injury all right, Mike, let's go ahead and start wrapping this one up here. And I kind of wanted to get your perspective from an offensive lineman. When you hear the defensive back coach talking about how well the wide receivers are, are doing, last season I think it's fair to say that the wide receiver core definitely had some room to improve upon entering the 2018 season. As the O-line guy here, is that comforting to hear? And, and do you think that that could help out with the Carolina quarterbacks and possibly getting them some uh, better performances during the upcoming season? Yeah, well, I mean, it's demoralizing all the way around the field when you got guys dropping the ball when they're wide open um, and when you're doing your job. I mean, it's, 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 it's exhausting as an offensive lineman to sit there and go through your blocking progression and execute everything perfectly, and then we drop a ball or we throw a pick or uh, you know, we throw an incompletion and it's three and out or, or whatever, you know, what, what have you. There's a turnover. That's offensive line play is is tiring enough to where there's there's little room for uh, there's little room for patience from offensive linemen when 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 we're we're going through our progressions we're getting that tired throughout a game and and every you know no matter what it seems we do there's always some mistake or some error that's happening somewhere else on the field so I mean I speak in generalities I'm obviously not talking about every single play last season for Carolina. I'm speaking generally for offensive linemen around the country. 
at every level. That's just the reality of the position. Um, so yeah, it's a tiring, it's a tiring position. It might be the most tiring, tiring position on the field, maybe next to, maybe next to your two minute drill defensive lineman, but it, it gets even more tiring and more frustrating for when it feels like you're banging your head against the wall, no matter what you do, no matter how well you do it, there's, it's going to kind of go for not, um, you know, we don't get enough credit as it is. And, <laughs> You know, the only the only satisfaction we get is when things go well and go according to plan for everybody else. You know, when somebody else gets some credit, we feel good because that means something good happened for them, which means we can get off the field and go get some water and sit down. That's uh, so that's 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 the frustration from that perspective. But I think we're a lot deeper at the wide receiver spot now than we were last year. We've obviously got more experience. And this is something I preach for the last couple of years. You know, even in down times, what you have is you have guys that um because of injuries are going to get more experience. Uh, Thomas Jackson's one of them. You know, he, he played because we had guys that were hurt. And because of that, he got snaps on the field. And the only way you get better is by getting snaps on the field. Um, you know, we've got some guys that we had toe groves and Thomas were out here in the spring and he just touched on it. You know, we had Daz Newsom got way more snaps this spring than I think he might've expected to get, um, you know, and, and, and all that will end up coming out in the wash for guys like Thomas and toe, because, Somebody will get hurt this season and they'll make up the snaps they lost in the spring and everybody will end up getting on the field and getting game experience and becoming better. Uh, what I will say is probably the best thing that could have happened to the young members of our receiving core was that Jordan Adams got $4.1 million to go hit a baseball. Um, that, <laughs> that hands down changed the complexion of that meeting room because if I'm a young guy, I'm sitting there watching this kid come in knowing he's about to be all world and, and his dad's a defensive line coach and I'm sitting there thinking, well, there is absolutely no way I'm going to play over this kid. Um, so the fact that he's not coming in now, I think might've been a motivator, might've been a sigh of relief for some guys, um, and, and gave them a little bit more oomph to, uh, to go out there kind of like new life. You know what I mean? To go out there and, and, and really grasp the opportunity they have now, because there are now opportunities that did not exist, you know, a month ago, um, at least none that were being, you know, opportunities projected to exist, uh, that exist now that weren't, that weren't necessarily there a month ago. So. You know, congratulations to Jordan. Congratulations to the Adams family. But uh, you know, even more congratulations, I think, is due to the uh, to the young guys in that wide receiver room who now have new life. All right, let's go ahead and get final thoughts. So, Buck, now that we're at the end of it and we've played a bunch of the audio clips here, just kind of what will what were your main takeaways from the interview? And you know, just talk to the fans a little bit on on what you think they could expect to see out of Coach Baker during this upcoming season. I'll be the first to admit that what I get out of talking to a coach and you know my impressions of of that process um, and what you actually see on the field can be vastly different things. So I, I don't know that any parts of my uh, interview will actually translate into visible evidence you can see on the field. But I, I do think that he's going to use his best efforts to make it a fundamentally sound group. He focuses on technique and the process of understanding the game, understanding angles, understanding where you are on the field, where the ball is on the field, understanding what wide receivers are trying to do. And so I, I think he's going to do a good job of communicating that to the players what you're going to see on the field is result is going to be the result of how well that the players took that received that knowledge and received those communications to improve their game as far as being uh, technically proficient and uh, understanding 
the need to communicate with his players and getting through to them what he wants and, and what he expects, that's not something you, you're necessarily going to be a witness to, but you might be able to see those results on the field. I, I do think that at least the way he talks about the game, we'll see, uh, and it wouldn't take much to see uh, an uptick in the number of uh, takeaways we have by cornerbacks. All right, Mike, final question for you. Overall, were you impressed by by the interview here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get overly impressed with interviews. I mean, was I impressed with uh, with with coaches' responses? Or was, I, was I more impressed with Buck Sanders interviewing prowess? I think I was more <laughs> impressed with the latter than I was the former. But I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't put a lot of stock in, in in coaches' interviews. What I will say is that the things we touched on here, I think, are the salient points, and that. Uh, number one is that his his candor showed through, and that's uh, interesting from a dealing with the media perspective that Buck talked about. Um, but it's 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 valuable for a player because what it does is, it, you know, how he conducts himself in this in a media interview is is likely a little little more cagey than it would be uh, in regards to how he conducts himself in a meeting room. So if he's this open and honest in a in an interview, then I think he's likely. Far more open and honest in the meeting room, which only benefits players. It may be grinding. It may come off the wrong way to the players. Now, you know, being young, but I promise, I promise them. Any of them who who might actually listen to this, or anybody who might tell them, you know, trust me, you want a coach who who speaks the truth to you. Um, but the big takeaway for me, what I'm most impressed with 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 Coach Baker is actually his his resume. So, and and it, and if at first glance it doesn't look all that impressive, he's got some small schools on there, a couple of high schools. Um, what amount to internships in the NFL with two separate teams. Um, and then he was at Rutgers, which, you know, I'll never be impressed by Rutgers University, but it is a, you know, it is a division one school. It's a big 10 program, you know, and he is a position coach at that level. And that's, that's not an easy job to come by. Uh, so he's clearly qualified for that. But what, what actually impresses me, if you look a little deeper is look at the levels that he's coached at. He has been exposed to every level of football, and I promise you, even with the little bit of time that he spent with, you know, basically as an intern with a couple of NFL teams and with, with some smaller schools, he took stuff away from every single one of those stops that gives him, number one, an appreciation for the level of football that he's coaching at. And that, that goes for when he was at Rutgers, and I'm sure he's brought that with him now to Carolina. But that's, that's the one thing that I think everybody should pay attention to, that he's taken stuff away from every stop he's been at. Uh, he has a wealth of experience in varying levels of the game. And all of that, I believe, is going to culminate and make him a better coach. And from a player's perspective, you want a guy who understands all that stuff. You want a guy who's been there, who's seen it, um, who's, who's, who's coached it at the level or at least been exposed to the level you want to get to. The NFL is what I'm talking about here. But you also want a guy who understands where you came from. You were at a smaller high school program. He was at some high school programs. Um, so he understands the transition from the high school level to the college level to the pro level and even varying levels within the college scheme, right, with, with it at, at the college level, the, the, the smaller schools, your Delawares, things like that, and your Big Ten and ACC schools. So he, he understands the, the interplay between them and the differences between them, the differences in resources, the differences in talent level, the differences in world experience of the guys that you're getting, the differences in how those guys have to be recruited versus guys at a younger level. And hopefully the drive and the, uh, the drive to get to the next level, but most importantly, the difference in opportunity to get to the NFL level. And having now been there uh, as, he, as he was with two separate teams, 
uh, he's seen at least the the talent level that's there, what it takes, and he can relay that to his guys. And he can honestly say that if you want to play at the next level, this is what you have to do. And the guys can know that it's the truth. And that is an invaluable, invaluable component to have with a coach. It's an invaluable resource to have coming out of a coach's mouth. Truthfulness in saying, if you want to play in the NFL, I can help you get there. Here's what you got to do. Because some coaches just don't have that experience. So He's got a world of experience coming from a variety of different backgrounds. He's been at every single level and now and he's young, right? So he's seen all of that quickly, was exposed to it quickly, and he can now bring that to his players. And I think that is the number one takeaway that I got from the interview with Coach Baker and what I get from him generally. And I, I put a lot of stock into where he's been and, uh, and now where he is. That's some really good points, Mike. All right, you guys, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, thank you both for talking to me on this holiday and hope you guys enjoy the fireworks. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Enjoyed talking yeah, with you again, Mike. Absolutely. Thanks, Buck. Thanks, John. Good time. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.